Joining us on the line is Stephen Stanley of the Stephen Stanley Band, also former member of Low is the, the Low, uh, now full on into a solo career that has uh, a brand new album out called Jimmy and the Moon. And we're going to experience some of this live this Friday night at the Simcoe Street Theater as uh, Wolf Island Records present a number of great artists all performing together. Uh, Stephen Stanley, congratulations on Jimmy and the Moon. You must be so pleased. John, thank you. Yeah, I'm very pleased. Like, I, it was a fun record to make, and it was my introduction to the the sort of the whole like, concept of Wolf Island Records, which has been amazing. Um, Chris Brown, who is who runs the label and runs the studio, has been a friend of mine for years. He was in the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir back in the day when when Los and Low was on the road 250 days a year. So we seldom saw each other, but we knew each other fairly well. But it wasn't until long after that that I met him and we started making music together so it's pretty cool uh, you've been making music for for quite a long time. Uh, we first uh, you first came on my radar uh, when you were uh, one of the members of Lowest to the Low, arguably the most successful indie rock band ever. Uh, how did that transition go from being a part of Lowest and the Low to being Stephen Stanley singer songwriter? Well, it took a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because like you know, Lowest and Low started i think it was you know i could officially say it was 1990 when we started playing in 91 we put out chase for my butt which was uh the record that most people knew us for was it was a kind of a kind of a blow-up album in canada so that's pretty cool um and th- there was various uh there was a couple waves of lois although we broke up in 95 the first time which mm-hmm. was a sort of crazy contentious a bunch of people in their late 20s they couldn't handle success <laughs> and uh, uh, got back together in 2001 and then I stayed with the band until 2013 I believe so a long long road and we did some amazing stuff during that time like one of, one of the uh, the comeback uh, that 2001 year we, we did shows with uh, where Billy Bragg opened for us which was just crazy like like it was it got it got really big and and got getting to play with like basically some of our musical heroes was fantastic um but you know i mean things things it, it was a it was a real uh it's always been an up and down relationship and it kind of went to a real down point for me in 2013 and and also i just got interested in doing stuff that wasn't part of the band I, there's something about you know playing the same songs over and over again that eventually just became less less interesting to me. So now I'm doing my own thing and uh, put this record out, which uh, took us about seven months to make on Wolf Island, which was kind of going back and forth from Toronto and decided to do that instead of staying in the city and making a record. And uh, it was the best recording experience of my life. So now we've kind of blown it out to this bigger concept show with uh, about four or five of the artists that are on the label and uh, we all kind of play on each other's songs. And and they're all, most of them are very prevalent on my record already, so it's not it's a kind of a pretty easy leap to, to get to get to there. So, is Wolf Island become sort of uh, a, a collective in a sense, or are you completely independent artists just happen to be on the same label performing together? Um, the label in and of itself is a collective because we're not really running it like a normal record company. I mean, the, the reality about music right now is there's not a lot of money in and running a record a record label. So right. the idea of us sort of banding together is a way, I mean, it's, it's, it's an excuse to do shows, an excuse, it's an excuse, an excuse to be involved with sort of like-minded musicians that 
you know, you want to play with. So we, we spent three weeks last uh, summer in Europe, which was just astounding. We started in Germany and then did a few nights in London, England, and then a, about a week and a half in Ireland. And uh, those shows, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't compare to anything I've done in my life, like going over there and playing for uh, European audiences and um, doing this, this concept with... We did this one show at a farmhouse that was almost completely acoustic. And so you get there, there's a grand piano in this room, which is a beautiful, beautiful sp- space mm. and uh, n- nothing else. Like, And so basically I sort of thought, well, this will be tough because we're not, you know, we're used to singing into microphones. And it was probably one of the greatest shows I've ever been involved with in my life. Like this, like it was just euphoria. People were just like, <laughs> like lost their minds that night. And as musicians, we just kind of took it to this whole new level and ended up, making that that particular night was so collaborative like people were playing on stuff that they didn't even know it was like it was just it was really really cool so we've just tried to expand that we we do this um event called the garden party on wolf island every it's mid a mid-june weekend every year and this will be the fourth year this year and that's kind of where it started where everybody gets together on the island for a weekend it's just like a week you know some formal gigs but then like getting together at the studio or, or around the bonfire and just playing all weekend it was just the it's just kind of the best thing ever it sounds like you've uh, your relationship with music is is just as passionate as it was back when you were you know that fiercely independent band turning down record labels uh, what's the business side of it like for you these days uh, the business side of it is is like just try to keep keep the balls in the air basically like it's just trying to keep things going from a, a business point of view but it's as you're you're i mean the passions is probably more intense than it was back in the day and i, I think there's a big difference is you know in our 20s when we were in a band that was all of a sudden very successful we were flying by the seat of our pants like it's like <laughs> you're making it up as you go along and you're just loving the ride but now there's a lot more sort of uh you know, you you need to be a little more thought out in how you approach it, and you have to be you know responsible to the life you have around you that <laughs> try to keep keep that going too. So you know, and then the financial part's not as, as good as it was back in the day by any means, but the the musical reward is you know ten times that I think, just because I have a better sort of, uh, and I think I think anybody from that's in lowest to low would say the same thing, or anybody that's in a band that's been around this long would say the same thing. Just having the sort of the perspective to understand what you're doing and, and you know i mean like not, not that i didn't appreciate the 90s but you tend to sort of it's a blur like you're flying around like we were doing 250 shows a year back then so you're just kind of flying around doing what you're doing and now you know we don't play as much i think last year we did like 90 95 shows which is which is pretty good mm-hmm. uh, and from my perspective so yeah yeah, so it's you know it's a, it's a different different thing, but it's still it still feels as vital as ever to me. So, tell me about uh, Jimmy in the Moon album. What, what's the inspiration behind it? Is there a thread? Is there a feeling? Well, it, it became that way because it really isn't. It's an album. And it's funny because the stuff I'm writing right now is um, really sort of uh, has a lot more political perspective too. This was, Jimmy in the Moon was a lot more of a personal record and personal about about the city I'm from basically about Toronto and how it's changed over the years and then and then some historical stuff about uh like, like there's a song I called under the minor bird and uh one of my uncles at a wedding a, a couple of years ago told me the story about my grandfather working 
he was a he was a banker in Toronto and a man I never knew our, our our lives did not cross paths so but in the early 60s he was laid off by the Bank of Montreal when he got really sick and uh decided to get a job in a sporting goods store in uh Yorkville and the, the store was underneath a club called the Minor Bird and the Minor Bird was famous uh, because Neil Young mm-hmm. and Rick James played their first for their first shows there. So I thought this was an amazing story. Like my, my grandfather was basically working the night shift underneath all of this action. And, you know, I have no idea whether he liked it or not. I suspect probably he didn't because I think, <laughs> I think he was a pretty staunch conservative guy, but, but, uh, somehow or some, some way, like that's, that's a pretty cool sort of like beginning of this line to who I am. Like this man spending his nights, underneath Neil Young and Rick James while they're playing their wow. first shows upstairs. Yeah. So there's stuff like that on the record and that's that's where that's where it all came from. And and this whole this whole thread tied together sort of living in Toronto as Toronto's changed really drastically over the last ten, fifteen years. So that's kind of where that album came from. Well, we are so looking forward to hearing uh, parts of this album live on stage at the Simcoe Street Theater. Again, the show is uh, this Friday night, but it's an interesting fee structure you guys have devised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we well, we decided because like this, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, when you're when you're even in Ontario, where we're all from, well, not all of us, most of us are from. Um, there's places where you just haven't been yet. So we wanted to so to do this show in a small theater, which from everything I've heard about the Simcoe Street Theater, it sounds like it's amazing. It's I haven't amazing. Been there yet. It is absolutely yeah, so, amazing. So you take from that point of view, we want people to make the leap of faith to come out and see it. We've made it a pay-what-you-can night. And the, the, the funny thing is the pay-what-you-can structure which I had a hard time adopting because, like, I, you know, I was from a band in the 90s. It's weird to sort of be in a situation where you're walking around saying, hey, please pay me something to play. But what we're hoping is that people will, you know, take the leap and not and it's not going to be a major financial rollout, but they can come and see a show that I think is worthy of being in in the theater. It's like a, it's, it's going to be a great night of music, and we want people to take the leap and come and see, and then... Maybe that'll lead to other things down the road. As we were talking about before I went on the air, I played the uh, Art Crawl last last uh, fall and hoping to do that again, too, in, in Collingwood, which was an amazing day. We had a great great time. Yeah, we caught you doing the Art Crawl. Uh, I think you had uh, Chris Bennett with you then, too, didn't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you guys yeah. were fantastic. Well, looking forward to this Friday night. Uh, Stephen Stanley, thank you so much for your time and, and joining us here and Talk to the Town. Uh, John, great talking to you.